Welcome to the On Your Marks podcast, and I'm your host, Matthew Wood from GW Active. This is the podcast where we chat to the founders, leaders, and innovators behind the brands that inspire you to get on your starting blocks. The world of sport is competitive by nature, and a business that underpins it often has an interesting story behind it. And with this podcast, we aim to get an insight into those that drive it forward. On this episode, we speak to Richard Edmonds. Richard is the co-founder and CEO of Runderwear. He's also a former Britain's Got Talent semi-finalist and a co-founder of a CrossFit gym in central London. Runderwear is a premium performance underwear brand specializing in designing and creating chafe-free garments for ultimate comfort. Runderwear products are often voted the lead sock and underwear brand in the UK amongst runners. I start my conversation with Richard by talking about his early life. You know, very pretty normal. We're on an on an estate um, in Leicester, and we uh, yeah, we we were pretty pretty normal. What, sort of. what kind of person were you at school, Leicester? Probably, uh, I don't know how people would describe me. Driven, I guess. Um, I think hopefully. Uh, um, nice. Um, I was into everything, you know, uh, I think I was always very in- interested in everything I did. Obviously sport was always a big part of my life. Um, from a young age, I played, you know, rugby, football, cricket, um, and found athletics later on. Um, but that was always a big part, you know, it was always playing football or rugby, cricket, everything I could possibly do. Um, so most of my spare time was spent being active um and yeah school and also sort of things like drama and getting involved in that sort of thing you know it's sort of like a bit of bit of everything that i um i wanted to get involved in a bit of everything really and 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 uh i think yeah just curious um we had uh, we moved into a shop um when i was at primary school and we we lived above an off license okay so i think that was my first sort of like what was um, the shop what was it was it? an off license just yeah, like yeah. a you know corner shop and uh, my, my dad ran it and my mum and, and we lived in the flat above it. Cool. Um, and so, you know, I'd go in the morning, cash and carry and stuff with my dad and, you know, go and do that. So I think um, that was always, always good. So it was a very social place because, you know, you always people coming in and out of the shop. I'd sit in the doorway to where the house started and the shop top was um, effectively like the front room. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I'd chat to people, you know, from a very young age, just sit there on a stool and just chat to the customers coming <laughs> in and all the local people off, off of the estate where it was. And um, yeah, and uh, pretty, you know, just went to a, a normal sort of local school, um, which was, uh, you know, made, had some good friends. And uh, the, 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 the difficulty, I think, sometimes with, with where I grew up and <clears throat> I didn't have many opportunities um, in terms of, you know, where I, I met people when I went to Loughborough, where, where you know, obviously you went as well. And, yeah. and I met these people that had gone to these amazing schools, you know, like my business partner, Jamie, like he'd been to Millfield and, and, and some great friends that I've made that went to these amazing, and I think about, and I talk about the opportunities they had mm. in sport and the, the facilities and, and all of that sort of thing. And, um, and I'm very jealous because, uh, <laughs> you know, we didn't have a lot really. Yeah. And, um, and yeah, no, I think, I think, um, no, but generally happy, you know, like I, I don't look back at uh, anything in my childhood and I just think 
I got involved with everything, had a go at everything, found out what I liked, found out what I didn't like, mm. um, and just just was a you know normal sort of energetic, curious kid. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. So from school life, you went to university. You mentioned then Loughborough University, where we both went. What course did you do there? What was it? I did drama, drama, uh, drama and English, uh, and uh, mainly because I was interested in it. I did English and. A level and um, and drama and I had it was a you know it wasn't an acting course there's no real acting in it it was a very much a kind of an English degree but studying plays rather than uh, books or literature um, but I enjoyed it and I went to Loughborough really because I was a runner then and I really passionate about it I'd been training at Loughborough so Loughborough to where I live was only ten miles so. Um, I used to train already at, at Loughborough. What distance um, were you doing? 800, 1500, cross country, you know, that sort of sort of thing. And and I was at Charmwood, Charmwood Running Club, which was based at Loughborough. That was my club from sort of 14, 15 when I started. And, um, and so, you know, it was just like, well, I'll carry on. Um, and also for us, we weren't sure about the financial implications of me going to university because, you know, we didn't, it was a big thing to, for my mum and dad so the the idea was if I went to a local one at least I could go and live at home if I needed to from a financial point of view Um, and it wasn't you know too far away that I could still study and not stay in halls luckily I was able to work my way through university and stay there and and get the whole experience but it was almost like a bit of a just in case um, I need to be at home sort of thing. Well, university, did you do anything else that was extracurricular? Did you kind of stick to your degree, your friends within your degree? And how how did that play out? Yeah, so I I joined the athletics club um, straight away. Um, You know, got involved with everything on the athletics club side. Um, Realised that there's a lot of good runners (laughs) out there straight away and that people trained a lot more than I did. Um, So when I'd got to Loughborough and I was running sort of four or five times a week and still making English schools and three A's and then I was meeting people that are running twice a day. I was like, sorry, what? (laughs) Um, But I got involved heavily in the the running club and made all my sort of really good friends from university there. Um, Also did uh, some of the... Um, drama club plays. I was quite into that. And um, well, what plays were you in? I did Greece. Did Greece? I was Danny in Greece. Well, of course you were. Uh, yeah, and uh, I did uh, Fame as well really? um, while I was there. Um, so I, yeah, no, I, I just sort of, you know, got involved in that. Got involved in and, and just sort of um, trained as yeah. much as I could, and and you know, just hung out and enjoyed it. From the back of that, obviously, um, well, not obviously, but something quite interesting about yourself, you started the Faces of Disco. So how did this come about? You talked about your drama degree there, so that's kind of interlinked. This is probably a podcast in itself. Yeah, Uh, yeah. uh, um, So I moved in in the second year, you'll remember, um, there was, I moved in with, with Chris Parr, who um, is a was a runner there as well, a fellow runner who we trained together, mm. and we moved in and shared a room in a house to save some save some cash. Um, so yes, I, I shared a, a room with him for a year, which is, <laughs> as you know him, you can imagine that was. But it was uh, it was real good fun. He's such a great guy, and we also lived with uh, two girls, um, the Frost twins, uh, Bryony and Catherine, yeah. <clears throat> and um, uh, Catherine's. Uh, boyfriend at the time uh was a guy called liam collins who was also a runner a hurdler 400 meter hurdler and he turned up and we were moving all that stuff in he turned up um 
on the on the first day of moving our stuff in and, and I noticed he had in the back of his he had this little camper van uh, and in the back of his camper van he had a John Travolta white suit and I was like hang on a minute this is this is very weird and I, I said hang on wait there and went upstairs and got my John Travolta white suit out of my cupboard he's like what the and I was like I used to impersonate John Travolta as like a, a job right and in Leicester <laughs> you as, did yeah yeah and I used to impersonate John Travolta uh, at this club and um, and just you know just do it and uh, and and that was sort of my in my you know teens thing yeah. and I could impersonate do the whole solo from Saturday Night Fever and yep. I was just really into it don't ask why no. um, but uh, but yeah so Liam was like oh well I do this thing and it's uh, with masks it's called Faces of Disco and I was like alright tell me about it so I, I'd, I'd busk I'd dance on the streets I was like what? Anyway, he said, honestly, but it works really well as a double act. You should, you should, uh, we should do it. So that, literally that night, we stood in the kitchen, we put together some moves. The next day we went off to Coventry and just busked, just stood in the middle of the street and started busking. And that, you know, long story short, because we're, we're not here just to talk about a face of disco, but we, we busked the whole summer, nine weeks, every day, 12 to 15 shows a day, everywhere, all over the country, Liverpool, Manchester, <laughs> Birmingham, down here in Bournemouth, every, we just travelled everywhere. Turned up into the high street, and we would dance. And, and we say, look, we're 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 athletes. We're we're raising money. Um, Liam was uh, just missed out on the Olympic Games uh, in that year uh, for Athens. Uh, the year before, the yeah, that year um, by a couple of tenths and came fourth in the trials. Um, and I was obviously an aspiring runner as well and wanted to train and, and, and it was just, it was just really worked. And, you know, initially we didn't think anything of the show. It was just a dancing thing as a way to fund us to be able to do what we loved, which was athletics. And it kind of just took a life of its own. And we started to, um, we ended up a couple of years later, we did a BBC show called Let Me Entertain You, which was on BBC Two. Nobody watched it um, <laughs> with Brian Conley as the host. And, and, and we got no, nothing from it, no gigs, nothing. And then a couple of years later, we, uh, we went on to Britain's Got Talent yeah. and in 2009. And it was that crazy year with Susan Boyle. Mm-hmm. And we got to the semi-final and, uh, and it was, you know, live in front of millions of people around the world uh, because of her mainly, because she just took that show to a, a global audience. And, and we went on, we were the act on before her in the semi-final. So everybody was tuning in to watch her. So they had to watch us. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and it was just, you know, it was great. And then and we literally were like, oh, I wonder if that's it now, you know. And, and within within two days, we had two and a half thousand booking requests from around the world and we were signed to Simon Cowell's management company and it how old were you when when you were doing that I was 23 23 uh yeah 20 or 20 yeah 23 so and then it just after that it was just um you know two or three years of just bonkers sort of traveling all around the world doing Faces of Disco. Amazing. Um, And it was great. And, you know, and I think um, what was good is we we knew that it wasn't forever. Mm. I think a lot of people that do these talent shows go on these things and then they just think, you know, that's going to be their career. Whereas we were always very much like, okay, let's enjoy it while we can. Yeah. You know, take every opportunity, um, do it with a smile on our face, enjoy it and just, and just, you know, treat it what it is. And, And when it ends, it ends. And, and um, we still do it. You saw us last year at yeah, the yeah, Night yeah. of the Ten KPs do the odd odd gig. Um, 
but uh, it's um, you know it's definitely something that I'll uh, I'll probably bring out on the fiftieth birthday or, <laughs> or something you know and embarrass the kids at a wedding or whatever in the future. But um, you know a good good fun part of our lives yeah. and uh, I definitely learn a, a loads from it. You know a, a lot about uh, yourselves and business, I suppose. Yeah, business. I mean, you know, suddenly we were having to run a business. We we were part of an agency with with Simon Cow's management group and the all of the, the, the agency that comes with it because they sign whoever they want out of the show and I think there was five of us signed that year hmm. including so you, Susan. you tour with Susan Boyle then? Yeah, yeah so we did stuff with Susan we did stuff with Diversity won it that year yeah, actually yeah. and uh, a lot of stuff with them and, and Stavros Flatley with the hmm. other ones that year um, so we all would go off and do all these gigs all over the place in yeah. Japan and the US and huh. Italy and wherever but I know learnt a lot travelled got to travel a lot with it so I think I got kind of the travel fix out of that and um, but there comes a time where you know um, it's not it's lovely and it's a great experience but it, it's tiring yep. and the tiring part is traveling because one day you're in you know blackpool doing a a, a gig um maybe you do a corporate show during the sort of evening and then you do a nightclub show in at one o'clock in the morning then you're back in the car and then you're off to somewhere else leeds or wherever and you're just constantly out of a hotel or in a car and after a while that does start to wear thin was it a point was there a point where it kind of dried up and you said this is this is it for me or was it kind of going strong and you thought i've got to move away from this well lifestyle? i think um i think it was a bit of a bit of both we we uh liam lived in newcastle i lived in london so the first thing we did is we decided to get another dancer for each of us mm-hmm. So he could do all the gigs in the north. This was after about three years where, you know, people didn't know who we were anyway, really. Yeah. So he would get, he got a professional dancer with him in the north. I got a dancer with me in the south and we would kind of do gigs depending on the location. Yeah. So we did that for a little while. And then to be honest, I think all that happens is eventually um, you you want to do other things. I, I was doing other things. I started Rundlewear you know kind of just after mm. and uh well four years after that and then got my teeth into that and then liam was doing his stuff so i think it was it, you know you start to then you only got like a couple of gigs a week and then maybe one and then two mm. a month and it just gradually decreases yeah. um if you push it we could have done more but mm. i didn't want to i did I, I kind of felt like we'd done it we'd done all the big gigs that we could possibly do we'd done some huge um spaces 20,000 people like it was never going to be any bigger yeah. you know so we kind of I think we'd kind of done it and um, and then yeah gradually you know if people ask we do it still but you yeah. know. <laughs> well so you touched on uh, Runderwear there but um, you also have your own CrossFit gym yeah did this come about at a similar time to when you were finishing your uh, yeah so disco? Face to Disco so while I was doing Face to Disco um, I, I'd basically been a runner since I was 14 uh, ish I got injured playing rugby that was my first love and um, I couldn't do any rugby for a year so uh, they said you know you can't do a contact sport started doing running to keep fit and ended up doing quite well at, you know and then yeah. once you're that age and you start doing well at something you want to carry on doing it yeah, right like you're yeah. like oh well you know uh, I've just won a race so I'll carry on because you feel good and and uh and people are saying well done and stuff so you just crack on with them so I never went back to the rugby and just just carried on and started running and then um yeah so I think uh, uh what so 20 
about, well, after Loughborough, I stayed for another year uh, until I was 22, nearly 23, and ran for a year and just enjoyed it, trained, you know, pretty much all the time, worked, actually worked for Nike a little bit, just doing some part-time work, um, doing some tech rep work for them, which was a good experience. So going around to different events, going to different stores, um, in setting up and talking to people about the shoes. Uh, and then uh, moved to London to seek my fortune, as we all do. Some people, a lot of people do at some point, and um, and needed a new challenge, like physically. Mm-hmm. You know, like kind of running. Uh, once Loughborough had finished, I was kind of like, well, I'd see, I'd seen a lot of older runners at Loughborough that were like twenty eight, twenty nine, thirty, who had still hadn't made it, whatever made it is, and then they loved running, and that was fine. But they defined themselves as a runner what do you do? I'm a runner. You're not, you're you're running the 12 stage relays once a year and this, that and the other, you're not, you know, you're making no money out of it, Mm. but they, they define themselves as a runner because it's kind of like, I think I saw it and I saw a lot of people, it was more of a, maybe an insecurity thing. They were safe in that little bubble. And I didn't want to be that. I didn't want to be like 28, 29, 30, still at Loughborough, trying to be a runner and and realistically you know i wasn't as talented as as some of the other people that were there so i kind of were like well maybe i've done enough with running as as i'm going to do and it's time for a new challenge and and, um just uh, i started doing some personal training um while i was in in london the idea being to to earn some money and and decide what i wanted to do and, and started to build up a little sort of personal training clients <laughs> and um and uh someone told me about crossfit and it was this this new thing and you should try crossfit and i went down to a, a the only crossfit gym in london at the time and i just really enjoyed it because it was very different you know you've been a runner it's very monotonous yeah. you know what are we doing today we're running what are we doing tomorrow we're running what are we doing wednesday we might do circuits you know but it you know and some running yeah and then some running so um and and the attraction to me was just what am i doing today gymnastics what am i doing tomorrow weightlifting what am i doing the next day yeah. running what am i doing the next day rowing mm. you know it was all very different and and, yeah. and to come from sort of 7 years of um head down running mm-hmm. It was it was a real kind of like oh this is so varied yeah you know so the, the, the sport itself you fell in love with but yeah. to, to start your own version of a crossfit in London is a pretty bold step yeah how did that actually happen it is it is but I think um, I met a couple of guys at the gym that I was at who trained the classes and the schedule there didn't really work with their work and it didn't really work with mine because I was I was a personal training at the time trying to build up my clients and a lot of personal training is morning and evening mm-hmm. which is when the classes are yeah. and not during the day mm. so I needed somewhere to train during the day and they were in the same position and we just said well why don't we just start our own <laughs> you know well I, I sort of suggested to them why don't we start their own they were panicking because one was in banking and one was a vet right. so they were um, they were doing a bit of uh, but they were also doing a bit of personal training so they, their hours were just they just worked all the time yeah <clears throat> um, and they wanted to train somewhere at lunchtime so we I spoke to them and said look let's 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 do it and yeah so we went off and uh, like how are we going to do this and you know um, took a you know stuff on credit cards and, and a personal loan <coughs> as did as did one of the other guys and we just set about trying to find a location and we found a, an arch like with network rail 
and just decided to start Blackfriars, yeah. CrossFit Blackfriars. And yeah. um, we're, we're now, what, seven years in? And we've got a lovely community there. It's not big. It's just one big railway arch. Have you been? I've not actually been to okay, your location, no, but say. I have some But pictures. it's, um, it's uh, you know, just a, a lovely, lovely space. And it's just, you know, it's exactly what what I, I like about CrossFit. And some are like it and some are not. But we've got lovely coaches, really good coaches, but it's just a community. It's yeah. a community of people. And, and, and it, it was my they were my friends in London yeah. you know because I'd go there and I'd train but I'd coach a bit and uh, as well and it was just you know we have barbecues we have socials we go and do competitions together and it was I just I just really really you know got into it to um, to build that community of people hmm. and, and I loved it and I still love it and we've you know it's still going I don't I'm not there all the time because we're down here on the south coast now in Bournemouth but uh, but I'm up there a couple of days a week and I just I just go into the classes and I, hmm. I just love seeing everybody and it's just um, you know there's something real really and you'll have this with with run through it's just that when you build a community and you have that connection and people are bought into it there's nothing like it yeah. You know, there's just nothing like it's it. It's hard to leave it as well. It's really hard. Yeah. Really hard. Um, well, you obviously got an entrepreneurial background. You've done the face of disco. You started this gym. Um, but then you started Runderwear. So this was with Jamie who you met at Loughborough. Yeah. And became good friends with. And it, initially it wasn't called Runderwear, was it? It was... No, it was Run Breeze. So we, we, uh, we started actually initially in 2009 with Run Breeze. My dad, um, after we finished the shop, he'd originally done hosiery. And the reason we, Leicester's the centre of sort of hosiery or was the centre of hosiery in this country in terms of making socks and tights and stuff. But obviously all the industry just left the country and my dad lost his job and and my granddad, he'd been a knitter for like 50 years as well, you know, in Leicester, knitting socks and, you know, it's sort of a family thing. And um, but there was no industry left in in the country, so we took on this this off license. But then after that, my dad got offered work abroad, doing some work for socks, um, making socks. So he started doing that, and Jamie and I we went off one weekend to Mallorca on a very very cheap, all inclusive, <laughs> horrendous place. I mean, Romantic. I think this thing was sort of. <laughs> 120 quid long weekend all inclusive so you can imagine how incredibly nice the food was um but we went off and we said you know what let's just go go off for a weekend we'd always wanted to do something together right Mm. we'd always wanted to do a business together ever since we met at loveborough become best mates and we went off we said right take a running shoes jamie had really got into running by this point we'd go and do a few runs look around uh, Mallorca, do some running around there and just, just have a chat about what we could do. So we're obviously out for a run one day and Jamie's like, you know, what's your dad doing now? And I was like, oh, he's over in uh, in Portugal. He's making socks. Um, he's like, do you reckon he can make running socks? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, maybe. Maybe we'll ask him. Like, okay, cool. So we spoke to him and we looked at all the different sort of socks out there that we uh, we could possibly find in the uk and um and they were you know we thought this we like this about this we don't like this about this and we sat down with him when he came back and we worked out what we want to do and we just created these these sort of double layer anti-blister socks as they are and they're still going 
um, and we started off with some socks. Mm. We then got a little bit of investment as we, we did well and we got some awards and we started to sell a few and somebody came in and, and invested in, in it and um, which was which was fantastic. But then being 23, uh, no, would have been uh, 26. Uh, so no, it was 23 at the time when we launched Run Breeze. Um, no experience. Yeah. Absolute idiots. <laughs> you know, suddenly got some money. What should we do? Let's make clothes. Yeah. <laughs> Because clothes are great, but obviously um, clothes, unfortunately, are also very difficult to sell because there are such brands out there as Nike, Adidas, Brooks, Under Armour. I mean, you can go on and on and on. And they're all trying to sell clothes. Mm. And um, our clothes were fantastic, but we just didn't have a huge marketing budget that yeah. you know these huge brands have. And it was really difficult to... Uh, to, to sell um, and we realised that actually the only thing that was really going well were the socks because there was a bit of a niche there and yeah. p- people couldn't find socks as good as ours and one thing that we'd always said from the very start and we obviously should have done it from the start instead of doing clothing was was underwear there is no good underwear out there for runners and I'd known that as a runner and Jamie had been running marathons and done an Ironman and couldn't find anything and um and he basically, you know, we, we sort of, it was real tricky times. We had to sell through the clothing to get some money in to effectively start again with the underwear and carry on with the socks. He said to me, he went to do the New York Marathon and he rang me up. And he was like, do you know any good underwear brands? And I said, honestly, no, I don't. I mean, you know, you might be charged, maybe able to go to some big brands, but they won't be focusing on it and caring about it. They'll be trying to sell you shoes. And he, you know, he was just like, honestly, I've been around this expo in New York, all the stands, and the only thing I can find is a pair of women's hot pants. Hmm. Um, and I might just wear them because my, I'm just wearing my normal boxes at the minute and it's chafing me, yeah. <laughs> you know, to hell. And um, so we were just like, okay, fine. So we then just set on a bit of a journey and we just went and traveled everywhere. We went to Asia, we went to Portugal, we went to Europe and we just were like, you know what? We're going to solve this problem. Mm. We're not we're not going to do clothing. Lots of people are doing clothing. We're going to solve this problem that is in the industry that I'd had, I'm sure you've had, Jamie had, which people couldn't get underwear to stay chafe free. They just put on their normal underwear underneath their technical running shorts, yeah. which was mad. You spend 40 quid on a pair of shorts and put your Calvin Klein boxes, yeah. cotton boxes on underneath Many it. Many a time. Right? So set off on this journey, found an incredibly lovely family-run factory in Portugal initially that did um, seamless wear. And we just spent time. We, we were so passionate about getting this product right. We would go down. We were both members of a running club in London. We would stay. We'd, we'd, we'd give people stuff to try. They would try it. We'd go away. We'd try different fabrics. We would go away again. We would come back again until we had this product, which we thought was absolutely brilliant, um, which is effectively seamless underwear. So taking as many seams away as possible, using a performance fabric that um, wicks away moisture really quickly because also, you know, the moisture is is a main problem in, in, in rubbing and chafing. And, and we just really for about a year just a year and a half maybe even a year and a half it was so like passionate like we found what we want to do yeah and we just threw ourselves into it and we launched Runderwear at the london marathon in 2013 at the expo we had their socks which were there it was initially it was run breeze socks still yeah 
and it was Runderwear by Run Breeze. And within four hours, <laughs> the decision was changed just to change the name of the brand. Well, on the day, I literally, literally straight away. After because of people buying the because products. Because everybody just walked past, and it wasn't even the buying the products because they haven't heard of us, but they just walked past <laughs> and they went, Runderwear, huh? And they'd smile. <laughs> and then they'd go, actually, you know what? I've always thought about why am I wearing my normal underwear or no underwear or whatever it is. Can I have a look at it? And then they touch it, they feel it, they could see how much effort and passion we put into making the product, and they bought it. And so you then, th- think the name of it was the hook initially? Because... I think I think the name helped. Yeah, I yeah. think the name because it stopped people and they mm. smiled and and also you know we we don't want to be like a a brand that has no personality. Yeah. It'd be against you know Jamie and I are both hopefully you know uh, personalities uh, you know got a good personality yeah. and we want to show that you know and then we we. And also, we care about it. Like I've been running my whole life, and I'm yeah. I'm running now, and I've took up triathlon, and Jamie's just done comrades and and doing New York Marathon again this year. Like it all makes sense. We're yeah. we're doing this. We yeah. are we are you. Yeah, like yeah, we yeah. are. You know, so many brands. I see four runners by runners, as if you are. <laughs> You're in some sort of ivory tower somewhere. You're not running. No. Yeah. You know, we are running all the time. Like we want to make products for us. Yeah. Which we want to share with the running community, which we're passionate about. Mm. And this was our opportunity to do that. And yeah. and yeah, it was just, you know, people, it was just the, the, the light bulb moment. You're seeing everybody coming by and going, yes. I bet those days were tiring when you were getting stuck into it. But you're also quite invigorated by the fact this thing was, you know, you spent so much time on it actually started to is, Having your own business, as you know, is always tiring. And it, it never really stops getting tiring because just there's always something going on but yeah at the time i mean we were we were selling this stuff we were turning up to events in the back of my purple voxel corsa <laughs> with all the stuff in the back and setting up and and just being passionate you know and and and, and telling people our story and telling people what we wanted to try and achieve and, and and why we were doing it and 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 also just the fact that i loved the product yeah you know it, you can't you can't be fake mm-hmm. if you make something and you don't believe in it you, people can tell you couldn't be successful with run through if you didn't believe that you were doing something different in yeah. in terms of races you know and 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 people can see through it straight away mm. the consumer sees through it yeah i love the product yeah there is nothing better you know and i'm so proud of that yeah. that there is no i can't I'm not there's nothing better out there yeah, yeah. than underwear in you know in my opinion because I, I wear it and i've worn other things yeah. and i think it's awesome yeah. and i love it and i'm proud of it and so and i think people you know they love that enthusiasm and and, and that passion that we have for the product mm. so um, from, from that 2013 time that london marathon expo it's obviously snowballed since then you've you've started already started the business but it's escalated into what it is now and you've moved to pool you've got a fantastic office i've been to see it today it's fantastic thank you good stuff how has that been that transition from being this product that you've you've founded and created and put your life and passion into it to having this business which is a bit different well i mean look it's six years now um it was six years in april um so much has changed uh it was jamie and i initially um we were doing everything up until two years ago it was still jamie and i so it's the last two years where we've we've got an amazing team now there's there's 10 of us down here in in dorset um and what has changed most is is obviously the team is is now we have 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 help have experts <laughs> coming in you know whereas we we are, you know as an entrepreneur and you're starting your business you have to do everything yeah 
you know and you might have skill sets especially if you're a partnership so one of you may be better at the financial side or the operational side or the marketing side or the sales but ultimately you're doing everything mm -hmm. you're packing the car you're packing the parcels you're, you're, you're literally you are doing everything from yeah. start to finish and um so so now we have we have support with that which is fantastic and people have come in to know you need to do this and this is how you do it better yeah. um so things have got more efficient um but actually you know nothing's changed matt honestly genuinely i get up in the morning i go into the office i say good morning to the team we have a cup of tea and we think about how to make socks pants and bras really well mm -hmm. And how to tell that story to people yeah. in a in a nice way, and how to build our community of runderwearers, team runderwear, to to try and help people stay chafe free. That the mission is the same; it's just the scale is different. Yeah, you know. And and I, I just go into the office, and you know, I'm very lucky. You know, in my role, I get to see everything that's going on, and and I get to touch everything in the business still. And I just it's not work no you know it, people say oh um what time are you finishing work um it doesn't resonate because I'm, because i get to go and speak to runners every day like me and people that are passionate about what they do and and a lot of the team that we have are runners or if they're not runners have become runners because of working in the office or you know and they go out and they all have their different goals yeah. you know emma who who runs our marketing she, she just came back after six months of having a baby and ran a 257 marathon. Like, unbelievable. But then, like, Dave, who looks after our, our retailers, he's just starting his running journey. And he, we go out and I run with him and run eight and a half minute miling, nine minute miling with him on a Monday lunchtime. We go and do four miles together. Yeah. You know, so everyone's, but everyone's passionate about it and enjoys it. Um, obviously, you know, so many things have changed in that six years because you know it's a business now that you've got to, you've got to think about stock and new products and everything. But the mission, you know, every every day you're waking up and you're just thinking the same thing, the same thing as I thought of in 2013 with Jamie when we went to the London Marathon Expo. Um, honestly, this underwear is going to massively help keep you chafe free and look after you and keep you more comfortable mile after mile. It's the same message yep. now. So it's just, you know, just the scale changes. No, so obviously you've got this vision of, of what you had, but the future, what, yeah. like run through with us, what could happen in the future, what your aims are, the countries you want to go to. I know you're already looking at Australia, South Africa. Like what else is there? So uh, the future of Rundaware, we've, we've, we've got distributors in South Africa and the UAE, which has started over the last year. Um, UAE was a year and a half ago. So they're obviously working in Dubai and all of the Emirates, um, as well as Saudi Arabia. Um, um, David, guy that does it there, he's um, a semi-retired uh, banker um, who is just you know got the same passion that we have for for running and triathlon and he's he's done Ironman and everything and he just loves the product and he he, he met us he, he loved the product and he just wanted to be involved and he he lives out in Dubai and he he goes to you know all the running events around that area and, and rocks up with his runderwear you know gazebo and his stuff just like we did at the start exactly the same and he's doing that South Africa the same we've got a lovely um, team 
team out there. Um, they they distribute Runderwear. They've just done the Comrades uh, Expo where Jamie went and ran the big famous race in, in South Africa. And then we look after Australia and with the US. We've just started this year, just doing a little bit through our website. Um, and we've got some events happening in Australia, going to some events. We go to some events in New York. Because that's where events for us and um, going to these these events are so important because we get to, A, because we predominantly sell online, people can see the product, touch it, feel it, get an opportunity to do that. But also, <clears throat> it's just, I love it. Yeah. You know, I see the passion you have when you're at races. Yeah. Isn't it awesome? Like, you, like it's just run, running races and running events, you can't, I don't think, I think it's the... Um, the human being and like everything good about being human, you can kind of bottle up and see it in a running event. Yeah, you can. The, the emotions, the, the passion. The emotion, the, yeah. the nervousness, the kind of like the hard work, yeah. the dedicate, you know, the trying to hit your goal, whatever you're winning the race or whether you're coming last, it doesn't matter. Yeah. But the elation at the, at the end, the feeling of accomplishment, like if you could bottle that, and put it into society generally <laughs> of what happens at a running event yeah. like the world would be a much better place right would, yeah. and you get that when we go to events everyone's like maybe a bit nervous they're going to do the london marathon or the whatever the new york marathon they're a bit nervous we're talking to them about their race what and like that's that's not work is it like no, yeah. oh, what what time are you going for four and a half hours oh how's training been going like that's all i'm talking about yeah. oh so tell me about rondewear well, Runderwear, we make all our products seamless on a you know 360-degree seamless machine so you don't get chafing. So maybe mm. your underwear at the minute has got seams that can rub and maybe it's not the right material. Oh, yeah, that makes complete sense. And then they get it and then, you know, they go, okay. And then we get these great messages afterwards going, oh, thanks so much. Great stop by. I didn't chafe. I had a great experience yeah. in the marathon. Like, thank you so much, guys. Yeah, so, like, um, events are, like, really important for that. Yeah. Um, future of Runderwear, we just we launched our first bra um, a year ago, a support bra, and we're about to launch our next bra. Um, it will be at the start of November. Can you buy them? What stores can you buy them in? You can buy uh, online. Um, you can buy from our partners at uh, Wiggle, Sport Shoes, and other other retailers as well. But you know, from us as well at Runderwear uh, com or do, uh, co uk if you're in the UK. Um, they the bra is something that we're really passionate about getting right mm-hmm. because I think and I'm probably going to sound like I'm on a soapbox here, but <laughs> we we see we speak to runners all the time right every day we're speaking to runners I, I pick up the phone I speak to customers like that's a big part of what we our culture here that everybody goes and speaks to customers like it doesn't matter who you are and what you're doing in the business whether you're operations or marketing or or Jamie or I. I try and phone customers all the time because oh, how do you get on your underwear? They're like, well, sorry, who are you? And like, oh, I'm one of the co-founders. Like, why are you phoning me? Like, I bought some boxes from you. Like, I want to know if they're any good. Like, are they good? Are you going well? Like, how, what you what you're and we just have chats about running on the phone, and it's amazing. And and um, and one of the things that's always happened on these calls and is, oh, are you going to do bras? Like, I can't find a good bra. Like, all these bras they chafe me. Like, they just, you see people's scars. Yeah. Like on their on their chests and stuff. Like, can you sort of reimagine the bra and stop chafing and rubbing on the bra? And the other thing is, um, I believe passionately that anyone can run, mm-hmm. right? And it's a big part of our ethos and pro- you know our project with Runderwear is that you know this is not for just for elite runners. Mm. This is not an elite brand. This is anyone can run. It doesn't matter what size, shape, age, whatever. 
you can you can run. You put one in front of you, and and you can get that feeling of joy from running that the person that's winning the race can get. Definitely right. And if you're uh, a size twenty lady, mm-hmm. you can run the London Marathon. You can do it. Right. You don't have to do it to lose weight. It's not about losing weight. It's not you know you don't have to do it for any other reason. You can you can be whoever you are. You celebrate your body. You you, you can still be a runner. Yeah. What is a runner? Just somebody that puts one foot in front of the other right mm-hmm. you run walk for all i care but but set a goal and go and do it and that's a big part of what we do so one of the one of the things that kept coming up well, two, two things one is how uncomfortable a lot of the bras are and chafing that they got the second thing was uh there's not enough sizes because hmm. people just look after the the main sizes right so we're now we're, we're bringing out this new bra and we will be offering up to nearly 70 sizes wow. of bra right which is i mean a headache for us in a lot of ways but it's what we are right it's what we're trying to do which is 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 solve problem but also um make sure that you know like there's no reason for you not to run like we'll speak to people and be like oh wear your underwear um i just don't run as much as i like because i have loads of problems with the bra i can't find a bra that fits like we're gonna do a you know a 40 h 42 h up you know up to there and then we've got plans for next year to go up to a k yeah. Right, because sh- everybody should have that opportunity to feel the joy that we all get from from running and finishing and finishing a goal. And I don't want, I'd hate to think that somebody can't do that because they can't, you know, get a bra that fits them. Like yeah. that's mad. Yeah. So um, that's a big goal of ours is to to go after that. So we've had this, we've got this easy on bra, which is so they can get it on and off really easy. Um, it, it looks fantastic. We've had a photo shoot done three weeks ago, and it will launch in November. Fantastic. And I really, really feel that a big part of our future is going to be um, trying to solve the bra, you know, problem for runners and, and really giving them a, a new, fresh perspective on it and, and trying to help the same way the underwear has helped and, and try and do, do that. So really is, excited about it. Is there something that you're, you're not doing now that you think you should be doing? Well, I, I don't know. I mean, look, I, I think people always say to us a few things. One, um, why don't you do other sports? Mm-hmm. Why don't you branch out into football and markets and run, yeah, rugby and all this sort of stuff? And, and the answer is, I don't think we need to yet because I don't think everybody that runs is aware of us. Mm-hmm. You know, um, there's there's a huge amount of people coming to running uh, more more and more each year, as you know, with your events. Yeah. And, and I think... Um, you know, we're so passionate about that sport, you know, with running and triathlon that, you know, we just want to, we just want to focus on it, you know, and be the best at what we do. I I don't, you know, I think if we start to dilute it, you know, into, into other sports too soon, I think it will lose the message and and the passion of, of that we're runners and this is for runners by a bunch of runners and and literally is <laughs> and buy a bunch of runners and 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 I like going to all the running events yeah, and all yeah. of that sort of thing. You know, I love other sports. I watch everything, and and maybe eventually Runderwear will will do that. But at the moment, um, I think it's 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 definitely very focused. And I think the one thing I learned from doing the the clothing is you have to be focused on something. You have to find your speciality in, in, especially nowadays, you know, there's so many brands out there and people doing stuff. Just find, you need to find what you're good at, what you're really, really good at and, and focus on that because, because we think about underwear and bras and socks every day. We can be the best at it Mm. because that's all we do. Mm. The product guys, Jamie heads up the product team. He's so good at it. Um, and, and and our team, Laura, and, and the the team that do all the product side, 
that's all they're doing every day they're just waking up and thinking about how to make underwear and bras better yeah I mean not there's no other companies doing it's that because they're doing so many other things I was going to ask you next like is there a business or a product that you are kind of would like to emulate or that you think we could be that one day or you, do you have your own well you know I, I think our mission is to you know um, I haven't got it right in front of me word for word but it's, <laughs> but it's effectively you know um, making the best underwear for runners in the world um, so anyone mm. underlined anyone can run freer faster longer yeah right so um, we every, that's up on in our office and when we just we, we stick to that is is that you know we we get in the office and we just want to make make that little small part of your kit bag the best. Yeah. Um, is, is there another uh, company or product I think, or in a different sphere to you guys that you think that's pretty cool? I want to be like them. Yeah, I think I think um, I, I I admire I admire the the brands out there that have focused on one thing and and been the best at it. Yeah. So whether you talk in our industry and running people like I don't know Flip Belt. Yeah. Right. Or uh, I don't know um, what else. Uh, uh, you know what's they called? Uh, the cap company that just focus on and make really cool caps. Yeah. CL is it? Um, and you know anyone that kind of just goes right. I'm going to hone in on that one thing. Yeah. I'm not going to get distracted, and I'm going to be the best at it. Mm. And I really, you know, admire um, those brands that have got the guts to stick to that yeah. because the you know the easiest thing you build a business and then you know we could go okay well we're going to start doing t-shirts and mm. shorts again now maybe you know we're a slightly bigger brand and people are aware of us maybe we would sell some mm. but it but it would take away the focus yeah fair enough. you know if our product team were then making t-shirts and jackets and trainers and whatever yeah. they wouldn't be thinking about how to in, we change things all the time mm. like they we change the fabrics we change like minute things that you wouldn't necessarily you would overlook if you weren't focused on it and i think that's what it comes down to just yeah. being focused fantastic uh, so the next little section i'm going to run through with you um personally your working week so average tuesday what does it look like well um at the moment it, it's in it's in runderwear uh, hq but uh, ordinarily, um, a Tuesday for me would be uh, get up, I um, sort the kids out, make sure that they are all happy. What time do you wake up at? Um, we, well, we've got uh, four and a two-year-old, so it can be any time that. <laughs> four, yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, no, generally they're pretty good. Um, I'd say, you know, average, maybe 6, 6.15, 30. Um, we get up sometimes on a Tuesday and my wife and I are training uh, for triathlon and I'm doing a half Ironman in September so at the minute Tuesday is a, a bit of a bike session so if it's nice I'll go out my bike for 45 minutes and do some intervals mm-hmm. if it's terrible I'll go to the gym um, around the corner and, and just do a bike session on the on the Watt bike before going to work get into work um, on a Tuesday we do a very 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 fun part of my week uh, we do an accounts chat um, just you've happened <laughs> to pick Tuesday um, so you know, we sit down we look at payments and what needs to be paid and, and all of that sort of thing um, that's the, the joy of, uh, of, of, of business sometimes you have to uh, do all those things um, and then actually on a Tuesday um, I go to London Okay. So you've picked a, a funny it's a busy day. day. Yeah. So I then at lunchtime I get the train mm-hmm. to London, um, 
and I get to London and I go to see the gym. Mm-hmm. Um, and on the way to London, on my two hours on the train, I will then look at email. Mm-hmm. I very rarely do email uh, anymore. We've took everything in-house in our off email to Teams, to Microsoft Teams. So a bit like Slack, Slack or yeah. whatever. We use Teams. Um, and it's been the best thing ever because no one emails each other. And actually, if you email each other in the office, if anyone emails, you have to do 10 press-ups. Really? And we had, uh, <laughs> we had a couple of people this week that sent an email instead of doing it through the, through the team. So we were, we were videoing them doing the 10 press-ups. So that's quite, quite I imagine a good you get thing. people emailing you externally as well. So. Yeah, so emails for external. Yeah, yeah. So, so well, emails, all internal internals all on, on this platform. But I'll, I'll then I'll spend uh, that time on the train to look at what external emails I'll have. And that's, that's my two hours of the week yep. there and two hours back that I tend to, I tend to just do for email. Yep. And what I'll do is I'll reply to the emails and then when I get Wi-Fi, I'll, they'll just go. Yeah. But I don't do a lot of external email mm. now because it is a time drainer. Yeah. It's an absolute time drainer. Mm. Um, we have projects running. Um, so when I get to London, I get to the gym, I set my laptop up and I will have um, our te- open up projects within our, um, in our Runderwear uh, teams. And I will go through each project where we're at, help and support where needed. Um, and then it will get to 4.30 when uh, I will do a CrossFit class on a Tuesday <laughs> at my CrossFit gym, um, which is great. Um, and uh, do the class 4.30 till 5.30. Um, it's a very and, active day, this. Yeah, it's a very, very busy day. Well, every day is busy. Um, and then at 5.30, I normally then arrange to go and see uh, either a friend or I'll have a meeting for underwear. In, in the diary depending on yeah. what's going on I might meet someone like yourself yeah. or um, I might go and meet uh, a friend um, that I haven't seen for a while yeah. in London so Tuesday's a bit of a funny day because I'm a bit travelly yeah, and, yeah. and whatever um, starts off with some accounts and a bit of email and I kind of use it as a kind of Monday things back up yeah. and Monday for us is, is different we're all uh, like a lot of meetings and sort of internal meetings yeah, yeah and also like monday i'll i'll set the agenda for the week right. so how we work at Runderwear is each quarter we have like five things to focus on mm-hmm. right again you know i talked earlier about keeping everything quite niche and, and quite focused with that's kind of a big thing for me so mm-hmm. in a quarter each quarter we'll have right f- the five things we really want to get better at or we want to do this quarter are one two three four five yeah and on a Monday, I, I send an email to everybody, not an email, I don't know, <laughs> Teams. Teams. Yeah. And I, I send out a kind of, this is what the week looks like, this is what happened the previous week, and then we all just crack on. So do, do you base, like, uh, some people have their own practices where they'll write notes down for the week on a Sunday, for example. Do you have anything like that, yeah. what you do? Sunday night, I do goals, there you go. goal setting. Okay. So... Um, it will be goals for the week up, uh, coming up or yeah, in yeah. general um, well I've got my sort of longer medium term goals and long term goals which we have as a team yeah. um, in Runderwear and, and personally um, but I would normally just take some time out on a Sunday when the kids are in bed to work out okay plan out what does the look at the diary what does the week look like the diary has when I'm training 
when I'm dadding, mm. when I'm working, you know, to make sure there's a good balance. Yeah. You know, it's it's really important to me to have a good balance. So, but yeah, Sunday evenings always set out for that because you can't go in on a Monday without a plan. Yeah. Like you're just going to waste time. You're going to waste, waste the week. So I know what I'm doing each day and what, how that helps us achieve those five things that we're focusing on that quarter and how in turn those five things help us with our long-term vision. Fair enough. But so, um, also, education-wise, I imagine you've been through a lot of experiences yourself, but do you still educate yourself? Do you read books? Do you watch movies? What's your thing that to kind of yeah. absorb more information? Um, uh, books read uh, in the evening um, tend to uh, mostly... The two type of books I read are uh, autobiographies. Mm-hmm. Love them. Uh, Anyone in particular you've read recently? <sighs> you know, I do any sports people or or yeah. uh, people. Less the players, basically. Yeah, yeah. sports people or um, people that have built brands. Yeah. Um, really fascinated by stories. Love the stories. Love reading anything. I mean, everybody's obviously read. You know, I imagine most people have read the sort of Bransons and Steve Jobs and all yeah. those sort of incredible guys that have, that have changed the world in their own way, but also just smaller people like, um, and I also, um, the odd business book, if yeah. it's been recommended to me mm-hmm. normally by someone that's a lot wiser than I am, yeah. so you should read this book, <laughs> uh, at this stage that you're at and I'll do that. Um, um, so, you know, but I'm not like heavy kind of like MBA book, like real, you know, if someone ever been, no, not, not, not really in terms of business stuff. I'll, I'll always, if my rule is, if someone recommends something, I'll read it. Fair. So if somebody I meet and they're like, you know, uh, I really respect them and they say, look, listen, read this book. I'm, I'm all over it. Mm. You know, I'll read it. Um, your audiobooks or you're physically reading? Yeah, no, I physically read mm-hmm. those things, those type of things, autobiographies and, and the business books. I will listen to uh, audiobooks when I am training mm-hmm. uh, or podcasts. Um, and I will listen to them when I'm training, when I'm traveling, when I'm walking. What kind of um, podcast do you listen to? So podcasts, I listen to the Leicester City Weekly Podcast. <laughs> I was expecting that at some point. <laughs> Doesn't, don't, don't miss uh, a friend of mine. Uh, I know a uh, guy, Ian Stringer, who's the commentator at Leicester, who does the, the, uh, the Leicester City Weekly uh, podcast and uh, yeah, don't. I'm don't, sure don't, everyone listening now. Yeah, 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 So that, that's 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 very important. Um, <laughs> but other than that, I I there's uh, uh, stuff you should know. Have okay. you seen that? Have you yeah, heard that I've one? Seen that one, yeah. So love that because it's like you know I talked earlier about being young and kind of very curious and trying everything. Mm. That's like awesome because it's each week it's just like how earthquakes work like and it's not long but it's like how earthquakes work okay next week it could be like you know i don't know um how warner brothers started yeah. or whatever it I was is say it's stuff to teach your kids at some yeah, point. yeah and it's like earthquakes work like this and like it's you know it's really cool um so i, I quite i quite like that one there's um how i built this mm-hmm. um which i imagine you've you've yeah, heard of yeah, I've seen it, yeah. um so that's really cool they have loads of like uh obviously some of them are like brands that are huge or yeah. most of them are brands that are huge so where we're at and where they're at is big distance apart but it's, it's, it's fine they all started at that point so um, that's quite a good one mm-hmm. uh, Stuff You Should Know yeah. um, is another one um, I will listen to uh, I'll 
probably listen to this um, <laughs> after you're done. Um, I think that's probably. You on, had your own podcast. Uh, podcast, well. yeah, I did my yeah. own. It's a little uh, little pet project. Like I, you know, I get these. I'm kind of like. I don't know if you're like this. I'm sure you are. But this is why you're doing this. But um, <laughs> I, if I get in my head something, I'm like, I've got to itch that. I've got to itch scratch it. That itch, you know, yeah. scratch that itch. Yeah. Uh, and um, I just, I was post Rio 2016 Olympics. Um, there was a moment where Max Whitlock was about to win his medal for Britain. And he was doing this unbelievable thing, which doesn't look human to me on the uh, pommel horse mm-hmm. and he's twisting around he's doing all this stuff and he's flipping and and the commentator just threw away this comment a lazy commentary if you ask me on the BBC <laughs> sorry whoever that is um, but it was just said um, and here's Max Whitlock he's spent and it, uh, it's taken 15 years of hard work to get there and he's there and I was like is that it? like okay. tell me about the 15 years man <laughs> like tell me about when Max Whitlock couldn't do a forward roll <laughs> You know, yeah, yeah. because what he's doing is unbelievable, mm-hmm. but it's completely alien to me. I can't, I can't, you know, I do a bit of gymnastics and CrossFit and stuff when I was doing CrossFit, but it doesn't, it doesn't resonate because I don't understand how on earth he has done that, <laughs> yeah. right? It, it just doesn't physically, it doesn't make sense. Yeah. So tell me about when you couldn't do a forward roll, when you couldn't do a handstand, when you couldn't do a backflip. I want to know that story. Yeah. What's the podcast called? It was called Before the Medals. Still, still, still out. It. Yeah, yeah, you can yeah. still out, still out there. Um, and I was, I'm lucky enough that I've got friends that have been sports people and successful sports people. And they were very kind to give up some of their time to uh, help me ask the question, what, what made you become an Olympic champion or a professional footballer or a professional rugby player? what did you do between the ages of 10 and 17 that I didn't right <laughs> that, that that separated us yeah. you know and what's the difference what's the because I think that's an amazing bit of information for an aspiring sports person um, was it a common theme that appeared between all well, of you well yeah there was and, and, and to be honest it's kind of why I haven't carried it on I did I think I did 10 or 12 and I was lucky enough to, to interview amazing people like Rebecca Adlington, uh, Mark Foster, Alex Good, James Haskell, like amazing sports people that have achieved the most unbelievable, uh, you know, things in sport. And and firstly, uh, how relaxed they were mm-hmm. as a young kid. You know, they were, they didn't, they see it, saw it as fun. Mm-hmm. And I see so many people, and you would have seen it, Matt, growing up and running, how serious of some 14, 15 year olds can turn. can turn and, but also how serious their parents are. Yeah. And I think one of the common things was they were, um, very much, uh, relaxed. Their parents were relaxed. It wasn't forced. Um, there was no like kind of, it, which feels like it's the opposite. Yeah, should be the opposite. Yeah. Right. But everyone was like, yeah, no, like I just did it. And hmm. it was like, enjoyed it. And it was friends. The other thing was the community part of it. Yeah. They loved going, you know, Rebecca Adamson talked all the time about my, they were my friends, mm. Mark Foster, the same, everybody else, the same, um, was like, with my friends. And, but one of the things was siblings. Mm. Really? Yeah. Kind of helps being the youngest, I think, or, or a middle or younger mm. one. And if your older sibling is good at sport and your, you will, your level will come on mm. quicker because you try, like if you're playing football in the garden and your, and your brother plays, you know, 
you know for a, an, an academy or rugby or whatever <laughs> that bought people on really? so a lot of them had older nature nurture yeah so older probably. siblings that were and they would um and they would do you know try and aspire to be as good as their <laughs> older brother or sister and that would bring them on quicker um also is um for particularly for ball sports people so the the rugby players the footballers um they did lots of different sports hmm. they didn't just focus on that sport and a lot of them like said that they don't think they could have excelled because it gave them a different skill set yeah. like I interviewed Matt Letizier you know he talked a lot about you know playing tennis playing cricket, golf yeah. playing cricket he was very good at cricket and how that sort of perception and, and everything he, he feels like massively helped but also let's be honest as well they are driven Yeah, you know they are driven in their own way but they don't see it like I'd say I said to him as an example like you you were amazing your control was unbelievable like how did you work on that he was like well um i had this garages and um i didn't have my own football so some of the other lads had had a football but if they weren't playing i couldn't play i had a tennis ball and i would take this tennis ball and i had this thing where i'd like kick it on top of the garages and then it would roll down and jump and then i'd control it with like my knee and then kick it back up yeah. I was like, "How long do you do that for?" It's like, to be honest, I don't know. I just do it for hours. But you're like, okay, that's probably how you had one of the best touches ever in the history. It's of like being Premier Brazil, League football. I imagine, like because he was just playing with a tennis ball yeah. for like hours and hours, like controlling it, volleying it back up over it. You know, because he didn't have a football. Things you do unknowingly that happen to become the most important thing you did. It's, it's yeah, and, and, and they're not necessarily doing it to improve. There, there was just passion behind yeah. it and enjoyed it. And uh, and they were you know they just that repetition mm. of just doing it um, all the time um, and I think it you know that just just paid off for them. So I've got one final question. It's something I've asked every guest so far. If you could have a robot that would do one task for you, what would it be? <laughs> um, could it could it give me more time? <laughs> Uh, <laughs> could the robot give you more time so could it create could it like pause time or something for me and just be like okay you've got an extra extra hour of the day um, to do you know what um, uh, if it can't do that um, if it could do anything for me it could do something to save you an hour somewhere else normally it's a repetitive process because a robot doesn't get fatigued it can keep on going so something that you think you would uh, repeat it could probably train train for me for this half Ironman because <laughs> that's proving to be quite quite difficult. Um, work, I, I think. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, where we're at, we don't have the beauty of, of hundreds of staff and everybody doing everything. We have ten of us, and I'm probably would like some some sort of some help sometimes with the the number crunching, the financial side of it. If a robot could come and do that for me, and it's free, this robot's free, right? Yeah, the robot's I don't free, have to yes. pay the robot. No, it's a free robot. Okay, yeah. cool. Um, then yes, that would probably be something because that's probably the the least fun part of running Rondaware. Fair enough. Brilliant. Thank you for your time today. You've been fantastic. Thank you so much. For more information on Runderwear, check out their website at runderwear.co.uk. And that's it for this episode of the On Your Marks podcast. If you'd like more information on GW Active, check out gwactive.com. Thanks for listening, and we hope you join us again soon. <laughs>